Dish from Waitrose is an SE Creative Studio production. Fizz Beyond Carbonated Water. Introducing the Infizz Fusion by Sage. Carbonate a refreshing strawberry wine cooler or a homemade lemonade like never before. Infizz. And release. Infizz your flavour. Sage, the Infizz Fusion Carbonator, available in a range of Lux colours, exclusively at John Lewis. Our podcast might contain the occasional mild swear word or adult theme. Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to a very festive edition of Dish. We are feeling proper Christmassy today. We have decamped from the Dish Studios and we are in my home. It's me, Nick Grimshaw, and my personal at-home chef. <laughs> Angela Hartner. Hi, Angela. Yeah, I love that. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Me moving in and just cooking all day long for you. Obviously, yes. (laughs) Obviously, yes. You've been round here before, but you've never been round to cook. How do you feel about cooking here today, Ange? Not not a proper kitchen. In like a, what do you call it? Home kitchen. In a home kitchen, yeah. It's a lovely home kitchen. I love the fact everything matches, everything in its place. Mm -hmm. It's much more organised than mine. Okay. Except for that one drawer. You've spotted (laughs) spotted a drawer, right? There's a massive flaw. There's a massive flaw. I had the drawer, I opened it straight away, carnage in the drawer, and actually in the wrong place. But I feel like everyone has a carnage drawer. But it shouldn't be where you think your knife is going to be. Yeah. So my carnage drawer is under my hob, which, yes, is not. That's an instant house fire. Instant like, house that fire. is danger yeah. waiting to happen. Exactly. And that it may happen to today. Cutlery. So, yeah. you know. So who have we got today, Ange? We have the amazing, the wonderful, the man we all love at Christmas, Hugh Bonneville. That is quite mecca. So for Hugh Bonneville, who's, you know, a proper actor and it's Christmas, we are pushing the boat out today, yeah. aren't we? I've never, ever had oysters at home, but tonight... We're going to have oysters. Tonight, Matthew, I will be. An oyster. <laughs> but tonight we're going for oysters, right? I know, we're going to have oysters. Quite we're going decadent. to decadent. It is quite decadent, but it is Christmas. Also, most sustainable thing you can eat from the sea, an oyster. There you go. Look at you with your knowledge. Love that. And you can get them on the island. We are a British island. We are. And we should have our oysters. Then we're going to have a lovely uh, rib of beef, which I've yeah. marinated with rosemary and black pepper. And we're going to do loads of trimmings. We're going to pigs in blanket, red cabbage slaw, Potato dauphinoise, we've got roast carrots with parsnips, Brussels sprouts, so loads of trimmings. You've got your leftovers for tomorrow. It'll be like Boxing Day in your house tomorrow oh, with all I'm that ready. stuff. Yeah. I'm so ready. All right, well, should we get cooking? And when I say we, you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the irony in that sentence, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Well, let's do it and then get ready for you. Time for us to introduce our guest now, one of Britain's most beloved actors, starring in some of the world's favourite movies and telly shows, Notting Hill, Paddington, Downton Abbey. He has just released a memoir called Playing Under the Piano, From Downton to Darkest Peru. I love this man. Over to you, Angela. Honestly, one of my favourite, favourite people in the world. And also in films that you watch over and over mm-hmm. again. Absolutely. Your Christmas. We see you every Christmas, Hugh. We do. Hugh, <laughs> Hugh Bonneville is here. Yay! Yeah. Hi, Hugh. Hi. When do we get to pull this, Nick? Call the cracker. Let's do the cracker. Shall we? Oh. Oh, oh Hugh got oh. two. Loser. Loser. 
I, I really lost <laughs> twice. That's because well, you've never done it like that. Yeah, There's we never tactics, do it like that. You yeah, I need the practice. Well, welcome, yeah. Hugh. Well, thank you very much. Do we put the hats on and everything? Yeah, I think oh, we need the hats. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming round. We're thank dead you. excited you're here. Thank you. Hang on. Okay. What athlete is warmest in winter? Oh, Don't know. Go on. A long jumper. Oh, oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> good. I was going to say Snow Farah, but then oh, that yeah. didn't really work. Uh, no, good didn't work. Work. I've got yeah. your other one. Go okay, on. sorry, I'm going to do this okay, one right. On. What do you call an elf who sings? No idea. What do you call an elf that sings? A rapper. Because an elf raps presents. Apparently. Oh, oh God. A rapper with a W, yeah. Right, okay. oh, no, oh, no, the crew have left. Oh, no. <laughs> Guys, come back. Come back. Sorry, anyway. Well, anyway, it's lovely welcome. to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming round. We do this all the time, of course. <laughs> yes. At nine, Angela's cooking in the kitchen. We are so excited because you do feel so Christmassy. And as Angela says, yeah. your movies and your TV shows are not just things that you watch passively. Like People are obsessed with all these great yes. things that you've been in. And we watch them again and again and again. This time of year is usually when I get people coming up and saying, I loved you in love, actually. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, close, yeah, really yeah, close. Yeah. Yeah. Just take a, yeah, no, I yeah, know. Yeah, I love yeah, that movie yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Paddington is, is, you know, that has really captured the hearts of the country, hasn't it? People absolutely are obsessed with Paddington. Well, it's had a, it's obviously had a, a, a really sort of powerful resonance this mm. year, mm. what with that amazing sketch with, you know, the Queen. Uh, yeah. the queen. And then all the, all the tributes that were left yeah. after she passed it oh, became of course, a sort yeah. of a sort of bit of glue really yeah. that, that, that Paddington was a link to her and, and um, she was such a good sport when she did mm. that sketch and um, and then recently all the Paddingtons that had been left at all the palace gates got cleaned up and the uh, Queen Consort then distributed them amongst Bernardo's so I went along and read some Paddington and ate yet more marmalade sandwiches <laughs> which of course are lovely there were about sort of 30 uh, young children there probably aged between three and five and let's face it, marmalade's an acquired taste. Yes. It, yeah, and true. so they're all handed out marmalade sandwiches. <laughs> and I think there were probably two out of the 30 or so. Everybody else was going, yeah! yeah. With tears and weeping and, you know, social services were called in. And, but, um, oh, God, no, it was very yeah. sweet. Oh, that is very sweet. It really yeah. is. And you know what? I remember when Paddington was being filmed, that was like just off my street. And I remember it being filmed and it being like, really annoying like they closed the road <laughs> and we couldn't park anywhere and i was like bloody paddington oh. and then when i watched it i was like paddington <laughs> i'm meeting hugh for the first time by the way right now but you and angela have met before right we've been connected i suppose most frequently through her the amazing work she does mm -hmm. and she, she's over there so she can't get embarrassed the amazing work she does for a charity called action against hunger where once a year particularly just before christmas they get this group of people together and put on this fantastic display of chefs and culinary expertise and it's a fine wines dinner really and they raise a huge amount of money for Action Against Hunger. So, Angela Hartnett, ladies and gentlemen, OBE. OBE, here we go. No, but Hugh, I know it's not about the Hugh and Angela show about, woo, well done, but well, you need people like Hugh because he's the compare. Yeah. And he's amazing because he's so subtle. He'll go, well, Nick. Do you not love me? So you're not going to spend that extra thousand pounds. Oh yeah, you're like good. That. When they've had a few fine wines inside Indeed. them, it's lovely getting the testosterone guys yes. to lock antlers, and you sort of go up to them with a the microphone and you say, Are "You really going to let that guy over there beat you? <laughs> look at him, and look at his wife. How disappointed is she? You know, and all that. Uh, and eventually they, they go, "Yeah, that's right." And so they put that up. 
and uh, we managed to ramp, ramp things ramp up a bit. Mm. Oh. Have some oysters. Yeah, let's do oysters. I am so grateful to you. So today we're having we're having like a big festive feast today. We are really going for it. So tell us what we're going to start with, Ange. We're going to start with some oysters with red wine and shallots, a little bit of lemon, and these are. Akia oysters. I think they're up from uh, Whitstable, we get oh. them. Delicious. I have done a few and I've had one for me, one for the table. Yeah. So help yourself. And, and a bit you of always do an oyster on some. Christmas at yours, right? Well, I lo- I lo- I've always loved oysters. But at Christmas, yeah, it falls on my shoulders to, mainly because I insist on it, uh, <laughs> doing the oysters, getting oysters in. It's a, it's a bit of a tradition, yeah. I love just like the, the ritual of it and having to do all the little jobs. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have with that champagne because... One, delicious with an oyster, and two, yeah. Christmas. Of course. So of course. we're going for the Waitrose mm. champagne, well of course. So do you have a little shooking set at home, Hugh, a little glove and all of that? I don't have a glove, which I probably should, because over the years I've had a few missed moments, you know, as I'm sure every yeah. every good shucker knows. Indeed. Um, but I, I lock myself in the laundry room where there's a sink. This year it's going to be four dozen of them. I'm pretty good at it now. Yeah. I've got yeah. a really good n- oyster knife. I love vinegary. Yeah, things, same here. And I love the red wine vinegar and shallot. Yeah. But you always, well, there's always too much of it. Yes. There's always too much of it. I mean, look at that. That's gorgeous. Someone's yeah. gone to a lot of trouble, Angela, yes, to, to make that. <laughs> and we'll only use a tiny amount of it. I know, but you need it to look, otherwise it looks really miserable. Well, it looks yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. especially at Christmas, you don't want to look like yeah. you're If you have portion control, it would yeah. be ridiculous, but um, yeah. this yeah. is really scrummy. How, how many am I allowed? We're as loud as many as you want. We have you more go for it. We've got more, yeah. You? Ooh. There are more in the okay. fridge. I really like that Grace Jones's rider. She she has like you know the the wine that she wants and the champagne that she wants and the oysters that she wants and she wants a glove. But and then it says, "Don't worry, Grace provides her own shucking knife." Oh, I love that. Which I like the idea that that must be just in her handbag or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I love that she's ready. That's she's, she's so before oyster ready. she goes on, she's like, right, get the oysters out. <laughs> I love that. What's your, like, go-to Christmas day? Is there any, like, sort of Bonneville traditions? Is there is there an order, or is it just see what uh, happens? It, well, I suppose it's usually depends. I mean, we were going to be three for Christmas this year, and suddenly we're 20-plus. I don't know how that happened. I think there was a really lonely... Really ramped up. Well, there was a lonely neighbour who obviously saw an opportunity. To invite <laughs> his whole family, <laughs> 20 people. <laughs> Clever idea. We're going to cancel the turkey. No, we'd love to come. Yeah, love please to come. Got 13 relatives coming. Um, no, there's not a huge ritual apart from you know, the oysters and um, I suppose I suppose we're going to watch The King on television. Yes. Oh, yeah, The King for the first time. Which will be interesting. Yeah, it tends to be a sort of mid-afternoon meal. Mm-hmm. Right, um, yeah. And then there was a big debate this year with my in-laws about um, whether there was going to be any food on Christmas night because you know, everyone's bloated and whatever. Right, of course. If they're lucky enough to have food. So there was a debate about whether the toasty was going to be mm. allowed or whether it's, no, you've got to eat what's left of the meal. And I demanded Branston Pickle this year because I've been off pickle Branston Pickle for years. Why? But I rem- Well, because I've got into more homemade stuff. Oh, you know? OK. Oh, Not right. that I make it, but I... I don't I, know if it was an addiction or something <laughs> like I've had to... To get um, off it. At one yeah, point yeah. it was. <laughs> um, but I, I love going around market stalls um, just yeah. buying pickles. Yeah, right. So I think my missus said after about 10 years of this, yeah, have you seen in the larder there is about yeah. 200 jars of <laughs> pickles? Free You're not buying this shit. Exa- well, I should do, <laughs> yeah. along with the marmalade that I've got. Um, uh, please stop sending marmalade. I was about to say that people <laughs> send you marmalade. They do. Uh, anyway, so Brownstone Pickle was a childhood favourite. And then who does the cooking? Who's in charge? of 
the Christmas Day dinner at yours? Well, you can take a guess. It's not yeah. me. Right, um, okay. <laughs> Lulu. No, Lulu, is a, she's a superb cook and she's brilliantly organised. So mm. she's been doing sort of cooking for weeks in advance and preparing stuff so that she can actually enjoy the day. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm nearly trusted to load the dishwasher in the right way. Right. Uh, and I'm very good at pans. Oh, okay. yeah, I've got better at pans over the years, so yeah. I'm good at washing up. That's my department. That's yours. Yeah. Oysters washing up and booze, that's me. That's, that's all right. It's an all right list, yeah. that really, isn't it? It's mm. a team effort. Yeah. So if you load it wrong, does Lulu go behind oh. you and unload it? Funnily <laughs> enough, there's a mate of mine who we haven't seen for 10 years. He's the only person she trusts. I mean, I'm not going to phone up and say, can you come over and do the dishwasher? But <laughs> not busy. Making but 22 on I Christmas. felt so, you know, out of sorts when she said yeah. Barnaby can do the dishwasher, but, you know, because he and I understand it. We're in sync. Yeah, we're in we're sync. On it. I'm in the sync and they're in sync. <laughs> and it's really annoying ho ho (laughs) we have an order at ours which I cannot Mishi's always wants to load it from the back forwards which makes sense makes sense you just want to load the first thing. I just thing. don't care. Yeah. Like, it's not that big that it's like, it's not like a room size where no. it's like, oh, it's so annoying to have to lean back and just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. does it matter? Yeah. Yes. Do we need a daily row? And oh. apparently, yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've, we're actually in mourning for our old dishwasher, oh. which was a pain in the neck, this you know, thing mm. we had for 25 years. And uh, it conked out finally. So, when, you know, the excitement of a new piece of you know, yeah. white goods, let's mm. face it. And thought, lo, lo, it appears, this thing. And, and it's just not as good. Just, you can't fit things in the right way. Uh, and where do we stand on the tray at the top with the thingy? Tray cutlery. That. That's what we have. Cutlery. That's a new no. thing, in it? Can't get that's what we have. Yeah, can't get into it. Yeah, I like throwing it in. Although I remember, do you remember on it? Was it EastEnders when someone died on the dishwasher? They, they died on the yeah, dishwasher. So you know, like all the knives and forks like that in the dishwasher. Like, Don't be ridiculous. Out, fell in. And someone pushed someone and they fell and all the oh, knives went. Oh, oh, brilliant. Yeah. I bet the writers love coming up there. Oh, uh, yeah. So I think that they probably, the dishwasher inventors probably watched that EastEnders and were like, we've got to do a tray. <laughs> when you've got to do like a feasting scene or an eating food, what actually happens? Because you can't really eat it because it's got to look the same and stuff, right? Well, put it this way. When we did, on Downton Abbey, for instance, I remember the very first time we had one of those big, big dining room scenes yeah. and we had this wonderful on-set, I mean, i.e. The, you know, the person who did the food for the show. Yeah. And all the menu cards that you see dotted around the table are all genuinely filled yeah. in and accurate. And it was a salmon something or other, which at eight in the morning is, you know, nice and fresh. Nice, and lovely. By 3 p.m. <laughs> not looking as and good. And the lights are a bit hot and, uh, uh, you know, and uh, all the windows are blacked out. It yeah. absolutely honked. And, oh. and, of course, no one really wanted to eat it anyway. So after that, any time it said salmon on the menu cards, it was actually chicken in disguise, you know. <laughs> oh. um, and there was asparagus gate. And our on-set historical advisor, who was the of fount course, of all knowledge, yeah. wasn't there that day. And we were about to, so we were about to embark on this asparagus thing. I said, "But hang on! In 1912-13, did they use their fingers, or did, would they have used yes. like what's the etiquette? We can't get yeah. it wrong." And so there was lots of telephone calls, and we couldn't find out. And so in the end, we chopped them up and pretended they were beans. <laughs> 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 but, um, but the answer really about eating, I learnt my lesson, yeah. which I mentioned in the book, which is available from all good bookshops. Um, <laughs> Buy it. Is, um, was my first big lesson was on Notting Hill, and there's a scene in that in which at the end of this meal, there's a competition as to who's going to get the last brownie. Yes. <clears throat> and so at the beginning that. of the day, again, 8am, this huge tray of brownies arrives, and me as a naive young actor who's never really done a film before went, oh, I'll have two. Did the wide shot, you eat two. 
Then you do another wide shot, got to be two. <laughs> this angle, got to be two. And uh, all day. So by about 4 a.m., I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, sugar rush. Yeah, then, complete yeah. sugar rush. So yeah. I did learn a big lesson there. Yeah. yeah. I always thought Julia Roberts' pitch for the brownie was like so rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like, no, not because it was like the biggest sob story. And she's like, I've had to have a nose job. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, Julia, no, you you're haven't. not having the brownie. No, no. Yeah, exactly. I love in Notting Hill the scene where you're all in like the restaurant at the end. As a northerner growing up, I thought that was like, oh, that looks yeah. so fab in London. Yeah. Like, I always loved that scene. I still I remember, love that I remember scene. that because um, if it's a scene I'm thinking of, it's we opened with me and Richard McCabe and he's at the piano and we're singing. And Roger Michel, the director, his favourite song was Here, There and Everywhere by the Beatles. So Richard and I spent literally weeks rehearsing because he can <laughs> play and sing. I can't sing. And so we just had to practice and practice and practice. And we got it to a relatively good pitch. And literally the night before we were filming it, the producer, Duncan Kenworthy, rang and said, we've been having negotiations with the Beatles and unfortunately it's going to cost six figures to film that in, you know, record it in vision. Yeah. And we can't really justify that. So could you do Blue Moon? <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So we massacred that learn. instead. Yeah, 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 we can learn. We can, we learn. can learn it. So we did that very quickly. But that was, it was gorgeous. The other thing about that, of course, is that, that it was a studio set at, I yeah. think, Shepparton. Shepparton was really busy mm. at that time. They couldn't get the size of studio that they would need for a full-scale set. So the restaurant set was in a really tight little corner and you've got Goldbourne Road or whatever it is outside, so, but they had to build the, the opposite side of the road really close. Mm. Yeah. So it was all shrunk in perspective. Oh, wow. There was literally a bus in the background which is being pushed through the painted backdrop yeah. and all the passers-by had to be under five foot oh because, my God. Um, because they, they had to shrink the perspective. Oh and there's a, zebra, there's a zebra crossing that's actually at 45 degrees. It's Stop. really it's It was really an actual weird. zebra to make it work. <laughs> Just to make it work. So do, it was really weird. Do you think they'll ever do a Notting Hill 2? Because I know everyone's obsessed with, you know, a, a sequel. sequel. Yeah. I think Notting Hill, the Zimmer frame years. <laughs> Now, we've got to talk about Paddington. I know we touched on how much people love Paddington. Yeah. But true that you were born in literal Paddington, not uh, the bear. I was born inside the bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my uh, my mum and dad had both trained as medics at uh, St Mary's Hospital, mm -hmm. so my brother, sister and I were all born there. But to say I was sort of born in Paddington, I was there for about, you know, 10 hours or however right, long it was okay. before we got yeah. kicked out and then spent my first couple of years in, uh, in East Sheen in, in, in South London. But my dad's affection for St Mary's Hospital, you know, stayed with him all his life. So Paddington has always had a place yeah. in my heart. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What do you think it is that people love about it so much? Because it could have been a risky film to make because, you know, Paddington Bear is so iconic and so loved. But the movies really tapped in. Like Dan Levy said it's his favourite English movie ever. Like, what do you think it is about the movies that made people love that so much? You? I, th <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I it's... You were like, me. I think it's me. Yeah. I think it's obviously me. Um, <laughs> I think it's really because the, the sort of spirit of Paddington is something we all recognise. We've all been Paddington, you know, going to a new school, new mm -hmm. town, new country, and going, I'm lost, I need, yeah. I need someone to reach out the hand of friendship, which is what the Browns yeah. do. So, A, we all feel we've been a Paddington, but also we all 
like to feel that we are the Brown family that we would yeah. reach out. So I think there's a combination there. And also in his character of Paddington, he's not malicious. He's he's mm. he's always that he's got the spirit kind, of inquiry so and adventure. Annoying, yeah. He's always trying to help others, even though he gets it wrong. Mm. It's as simple as that. There's a there's an honesty and an openness of spirit about Paddington that uh, and kindness that thread through. But it. I think you said it, it's the honesty, and I think yeah. it's also the Britishness of it. Yeah, it's a very British film, and if you love the humour that we have as a nation, I think it just ticks every box. Absolutely, it's just brilliant, and you know? and I think and that was all embodied in in, yeah. in those two films, and the way that Paul King, yeah. uh, who directed and certainly was all over the scripts, I always tease him by saying, you know, you are Paddington. He even looks a bit like Paddington. Um, <laughs> But he's he has got this amazing Im- imagination and would never never let a scene go until he was completely satisfied and then often wasn't and we'd come back a week later and we would reshoot it because he said no it wasn't right it wasn't mm. wasn't either funny enough or didn't hit the right point and of course after a while the bear becomes real yeah. particularly after the first film we were absolutely well it's like Hugh Grant's dad famously yeah. came to the second premiere and after a couple of minutes he leaned across to Hugh and said. Is that a real bear? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and to be honest, you know, it was but a real Ben's bear. Voice and Ben's voice is just incredible. It is. It is. Again, he's, he's got that vulnerability. Yeah. You want yeah. to look after him. You want to make sure this bear's okay in a, in a, in a sometimes dangerous world. Mm-hmm. The one Neil's always doing is Neil absolutely. Like, and yes. he, when I first introduced him to you, and Neil was like, oh, my God, Mr. Brown. No, literally. <laughs> I said, no, no, it's not. But we always do that scene where Paddington takes the bear. Like, whenever we're on the tube with Betty, we both stand oh, up. It's like no. the tube. <laughs> we carry Betty. And I just crack up. He goes, hey, you know, we do this oh. little Paddington scene. <laughs> I love that. Like, whenever I see, yeah. Yes, whenever I see Neil, he says, Mr. Brown, that is extremely rude. <laughs> <laughs> A big old table full of food here. What are we having? Talk us through. So we have rosemary and black pepper rib of beef. Then we've got pigs in blankets, red cabbage slaw, potato dauphinoise, roasted carrots with parsnips in a little horse grey mustard, Brussels sprouts with pancetta and shallots. Oh and God. gravy. Absolutely. And there's a little bit of mustard if you want some mustard. It with your smells beef. incredible. And the colours, wow. And if you want to get any of these recipes or all of the recipes, you can copy yeah. this and do this on Christmas Day or for a like, yeah. nice little January meal or whatever. Yeah. Waitrose.com forward slash dish recipes is where you need to go. I love yeah. a sprout with a pancetta. What did oh, we used baby. to have? Just we just used to have sprouts and complain about them, didn't we? Well, they were just boiled within we an inch like, of their Ugh! life. Whereas they? now we're like, okay, yum. Yeah, now we love a sprout. Now they're just near bacon, and we're like, yum. That gravy, no mm. lie, it's the best gravy I've ever had. Mm, ever. Wow. Talk me through the gravy. You put loads of vegetables: carrot, celery, onion, garlic underneath a rack, and then you put your beef on the rack. So all the juices from the beef go onto the veg. Then when your beef is cooked, you remove your beef and then into those vegetables, which have all that beef sauce and the bone marrow and everything, Mm. you add a bit of flour. Then there's red currant jelly in there, beef stock, red wine, touch of mustard and a touch of honey. That is out of control. Out of control. Keep that freezer. I'll take it for Christmas. Can I? Um, Yeah, it'll be lovely. And the cabbage. How have you done the cabbage? Because that's absolutely delicious too. Red wine, vinegar, olive oil and Dijon mustard. But do it the day before so it cooks it and marinates it. Mm -hmm. I'm a believer, like, on Christmas Day, something cold. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we do loads of things like cabbage. 
Things like slaws, because then you don't have to worry about heating them up on Christmas Day. Because anyone listening now might be getting ready for Christmas Day and they're thinking, oh my God, I've got to yeah. cook tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> or like the next day. What's your, like, do you think do something cold and just don't have that, that cut one side out? Just cook what you want to cook and just don't do less is more. It's always what I say, just do less. Because otherwise you just panic and get in a real Ooh. stress about it. And potatoes like this. Now that seems like a faff, but did you do this as you were doing the meat or do you make the potatoes before and then just like whack I it in? I cooked these this morning, there's reheating. Oh. So again, it's done ahead. That's easy. You don't worry about it. One year I did duck and overcooked it. Mm-hmm. At that stage, Neil said, should we go to the garage and get some peking sauce and pancakes? Because it was so dry and crispy. Thank My you, Neil. My mum sat there and went, I think next year we'll have chicken, Angela. <laughs> I want to ask you about which is something that I'm always intrigued in when we um, ever speak to actors is auditions and how you know how to take a role because it's such a massive commitment. You know, it's a, a year of your life or, or longer. How do you know that it's not going to be rubbish? You don't. You, you don't. You never know. You never know if it's going to... Obviously, you said, you know, you hope it's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. I'm no good at commercial auditions and some people are brilliant at it. What's a, real a commercial sp- audition? Well, going like for that? an advert. Yeah. I audition for a commercial. Right, got it. And some people are, are, are brilliant. <laughs> turn, you know, you turn up and say, be a turnip. And you can say, hey, I'm a turnip and we're in turnip land. That I'm, was good. <laughs> And I had to go along to this one for a toilet roll. And I, I can remember sitting there with three other blokes who were sort of, you know, looked vaguely, you know, we're all fairly similar build and everything. And the advertisers were late back from lunch. And so it was quite annoying. We were there for like half an hour waiting. And eventually they rolled in boozy from lunch and mm. sort of went into the audition room. And I was really cross because, you know, we're trained to be punctual yeah. on the yeah. whole in, in our business. Yeah. There was a sort of receptionist with a clipboard sitting there, you know, doing a sort of crossword or something. And the first bloke was called in. And after about a minute, I heard this noise emanating from the room, this sort of strange growling that grew louder and louder. And I realised that this big chap who'd just gone in was being asked to do what bears do in the woods in order to, mm. in order to sort of sell the loo paper. Yeah. At that moment, the clouds parted from above and this divine figure looked down on me and said, Hugh, Hugh, you don't have to do this. Yes. <laughs> and I sort of levitated and walked over to the girl with the crossword and I, I nicked a line that I think was Peter Cook or someone like that and I said, I'm so sorry, I've just remembered I'm meant to be watching television this afternoon. <laughs> and, um, and I left yeah. and, and I felt so liberated yeah. that actually... If you're dreading something, you can. I mean, as actors, we're just so grateful for the next job and it doesn't get any easier, folks, you know, the older you get. That was a turning point. You do have the power to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Do people still expect you to audition? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think it's important yeah. you know, to go through that sort of thing. Funnily enough, I did a film with George Clooney about 10 years ago called mm. The Monuments Men. And last year, I got a note through from the agent saying they'd like you to go on tape for a new film. It's being produced and directed by George Clooney. Right, the, the people I, who know me. Mm, yeah. Right. Okay, fair enough. And this blurb said, please will you stand with your face to the camera and then will you do a profile and then will you turn around to show that you exist and then um, <laughs> will you please tell the camera, because it's all self-taped these days, which mm. is just disgusting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stupid! Don't yeah. get me started. Give me more yes, wine. Yes, you, analogue, <laughs> I love it, yes! And... Um, and please will you then address the camera and tell them what other shows you've done so they can get to know who you are. Google me, darling. So I, so I said, hello, I'm, I'm Hugh Bonneville. I've appeared in films like the two Baddington films and Downton Abbey. And in fact, a film called The Monuments Men, uh, directed by George Clooney. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to read for you today. <laughs> 
didn't get the part. <laughs> <laughs> How is it when you're walking onto those huge sets and it's like, tomorrow never dies? Do you ever get, like, I mean, like the fear of like, oh my God, what if I get my lines wrong or forget my lines? Well, let's put this in context. When you say walking on the set of films like James Bond, you know, tomorrow never dies, I had one line in that film. So you can't forget that? So you can't, well, I yeah, nearly did. And, um, <laughs> and also I went for the audition and the director said, uh, we're, we're now casting these roles that will uh, appear towards the end of the film when the British Navy is taking on the Chinese Navy in the South China Sea. So immediately I transported myself to a sun lounger in Thailand yeah. where I would be for three weeks mm -hmm. and they might want me for a day, possibly two. And, yeah. um, but basically it was about the suntan and the drinking. <laughs> Um, not a bit of it. It turned out to be two days in a simulator in Portsmouth with the Royal Navy cadets. And there's us, you know, six or seven of us actors, including Gerard Butler. You know, we're all playing these, you know, tiny little supporting parts. Mm. Jason Watkins and uh, Brendan Coyle, who played mm. Mr Bates in Downton. So we're all turning up basically to sit at these enlarged tumble dryers, which are these radar things, looking like Pillsbury Doughmen in our blue overalls and our sort of mm. combat gear having to say our one line and around us all the supporting artists all the extras are Royal Navy cadets and they're all in their training and so they're doing uh, action 3.1 4.2 incoming blah, blah, blah. they're doing these drills day in day out we're going incoming four back oh, can we go again sorry, sorry, sorry can we go again and being absolutely hopeless <laughs> and um, anyway Brendan Coyle was particularly Mr Bates was particularly good at this he was very yeah. good at flicking switches and talking at the same yeah, time yeah, yeah. and he was brilliant I was watching him going how's he he's doing that and he's doing that and then you know putting in his smalls and everything. Yeah. It was less brilliant. Yeah. And um, anyway, he got cut. He, he got cut pretty much completely. <laughs> but my line like... remains. Yeah! yeah. Sir, AWACS report two waves of land-based MiG-21s inbound. They should be on our screens in two minutes. Would you ever like to get the other side, direct and Ooh, write, yeah. anything like that? Or have you been doing dabbling any of that? I think the thing about directing is that, as, as many people have said, it, it's, it's, you have to answer 100 questions before breakfast. Right. And as one director said, the important thing about directing, answer them. Say, yeah. absolutely, I want 10 of those in that scene and I want 14 in the next. Even if after 20 minutes you change your mind, but just yeah. give a clear answer so that the props department or whoever mm. can go off and, and, and yeah. you know. I couldn't do it. I absolutely right. couldn't do it. I, I respect, you know, I, I love... I love generating ideas or being yeah. part of a team that produces, you know, bringing, a, bringing an idea together. And, and I've, you know, I'm, I'm doing a dabbling in that a bit. But, but no, directing is mm. it's too much responsibility. And also dealing with actors, you know. <laughs> You know, like people will say like, you know, oh, they're so dramatic. They're yeah. Have you actually experienced like another actor being like full on drama queen? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> of course. Because I always like people always say to me, like, who have you interviewed who's been like horrible? I'm like, everyone's really nice. And Fiona, who used to produce my radio show, was like, yeah, because you're on the radio with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's like, they're horrible to me. Yeah. But have you ever seen, like, full-blown Hollywood Oh, oh I have. I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen dressing room doors being kicked through and, and stuff like that. And I just, life's too short and I won't yeah. work with people like yeah. that anymore. I'm very fortunate now that I can pick and choose a bit. And 99% um, of, of one's colleagues are inspirational to be around. Yeah. And I genuinely mean that. And I'm also contractually obliged to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, occasionally there's, uh, you know, there's a pain in the neck and you think, Oh, yeah. You know, karma will catch up with you, and sometimes yeah. it does, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I think that. I do think karma catches up. I think yeah. about chefs. I, I was going to say, chefs are kind of like, they're the, they're the two rounds where mm. you think, 
you know, there, there can be a stroppiness. Yeah. Like I, I could imagine a chef tantrum and an act tantrum. But the irony, the one person who everyone thinks is constantly in a tantrum is Gordon Ramsay. But actually, Gordon always, from day one, whenever I started doing any TV or anything, or you started doing demos, sort of said, just always look after the crew, be nice to everyone. But And he is, he's, you know, anyone who's worked with Gordon mm-hmm. will always say he's one of the brilliant people to work with yeah. mm-hmm. but people look at him and think oh my god he must be like that all so time. intense yeah. Yeah. I said of course he's not like that you know he's, and, and mm. I think you know if you and also you, if people are behind the camera you you want them to make you look okay you know right. they've got more power yeah <laughs> no to directing but yes to writing your memoir yes oh. yeah how was the process for you because it's a big ask and a big job to sit down and you know well, write it, your life it, it, it was and it was um, I was absolutely adamant that I was not going to write an autobiography because that smacks of accuracy. <laughs> and um, so a memoir, you could sort of string, you know, yeah, things yeah. that, that mm. bits and bobs mm. together. And it's not, I mean, it is chronological roughly, but but stories occur yeah. to you and, and the subconscious takes over. And and so I'd have been, you know, asked several years ago now, and I've been incredibly lazy about getting on with it. I wrote the initial chapter, not the first chapter of the book, but in my first attempt with great fanfare. And I... Uh, I was uh, there at the laptop and I got my son to take a photograph and going, yeah, and I sent it off <laughs> sent it off to the agent and he said, great, looking forward to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Six <laughs> months later, he says, any, any more pages, you? And I go, it's coming, it's coming, let me just finish this other project. And I was so lazy. And then it was my darling son who actually shamed me into it um, in the summer after lockdown. He went off travelling. Finally, he was able to escape and do a bit of yeah. travelling before university and um, went off with a mate. And then he texted saying... I'm peeling off from my mate Sam for a week. I've just, I've rented an Airbnb, a tiny little hut in the hills. I thought, that's interesting, what's he up to? Sure enough, on the first night, he sent me a a photograph of his word count on his laptop. He said, I'm writing a novel. How many words have you written today, Dad? Oh, And uh, so the next day I rang this agent. Having said, I don't want a deadline, I don't want a book deal or anything, I just want it to flow organically. And next (laughs) I said, okay, you know... Let's crack the whip. Let's crack the whip. And so I did. And so when I sat down and got on with it in sort of October, November of 21, I really enjoyed it, actually. When you're writing, you know, from memory and and, and the subconscious, as I say, takes over, I ended up talking a lot about my dad and his his, um, journey with dementia, which I really hadn't anticipated Mm. at all. And it was a sort of very cathartic thing and certainly wasn't something I'd intended to share but then I was talking to people who'd worked at his care home and and they said you know how delicate an area it is dementia Mm. and I thought actually it's important to share that we're all going through the same journey ultimately we're all heading in one direction and people do seem to feel lonely sometimes when they're caring for someone with dementia and there's a lot of laughs and a lot of you know dark humor in it as well so I tried to capture some of that as well as saying a you know a a fond farewell to my dad as well yeah Yeah. but it's not all doom and gloom there's some some hilarious, hilarious anecdotes how has it been like afterwards, the reaction? Do you get like nice messages from people that have been reading it or, or people in the supermarket talking to you? I have. I mean, I've, I've sort of, I've been on a sort of book tour and that's been really nice and surprising because I'm so used to promoting a TV show or, or a film or whatever with a group of other people that sure. you can blame, you know, if it's yeah, a load yeah. of rubbish. So, of course, you know, I had nothing to do with that scene. Over to you. And, um, <laughs> and uh, But actually, then you're very exposed, as you know. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's you life. that's yeah, out yeah. there. But people have been very, very responsive. And, and what I'm particularly pleased by is, is people saying, I've had a relative or, you know, mum or dad who's going through, you know, dementia. That must resonate. Yeah. And, yeah, that, and that is, that's, they said, actually, it's, 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 it cheered me up to know that I'm not alone. So that's been quite nice. And also you take it in a different way, I think, like the yeah. telly or a film, like I, as someone with a terrible attention span, you might pause it and go, 
have a Wii or like be on mm. your phone or something. Whereas a book, I think you're sat like listening to your voice direct. I think it touches yeah. you in a different way. Possibly, yeah. And no, so I've done the yes, I've done the audio book as well. And um, there's um, exclusive content on the audio available book. now. Um, <laughs> Stanley, there's a Stanley Tucci story that's on the oh. audio. Oh, are you going to share? Well, it actually it ties in with taste and all this. Yeah. Mm. So the first time I met Stanley, he and I were cast in a, a movie on the island of Mallorca. This is 2005. We'd been there rehearsing. It was an improvised film, a mad film. Didn't trouble the box office. And, um, and uh, I don't remember this movie. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's called Four Last Songs. Worth a look. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and Stanley was flying, I think, from New York, I guess. And so myself and two or three others were staying up late you know, on a school night to, to welcome him. And we'd been drinking this um, Mallorcan white wine. And he arrived, and I was so overawed to meet him. I was so excited. And I said, hello, hello I'm Hugh. Uh, can, I, can I get you a drink? He said, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, what, are you guys, uh, what are you guys drinking? And I said, um, well, I've got a you know, cheeky little Mallorcan white. This guy <laughs> seems to be going down OK. And he said, yeah, sure, sure. And I gave him the drink. And there's that. It's become a household joke now in our house that he did do a what is that? You mini And it was, but he had that initially that expression of it could go either way. I have never tasted anything so beautiful. But he went, what's that? We have some huge fun facts that I thought we'd do. I am manic about apple crushing. Oh, the hell's apple crushing? Well, it, well, you know, making apple juice. We have a couple of apple trees. Mm. And my wife gave me an apple press a couple of years ago. And nice gift. It was really nice. Um, but, I, but I was very late in the season when I got onto it, and so the, the crop was really over. But this year there was a bumper crop. Yeah. And uh, I was virtually out there at midnight. Just, and she, I, just, just, one more, just one more load, and I'd be out there going... And it's all about the chopping them up before you put them in. You, you can't just put the apples in and you, yeah. and you don't want to put them in a... If you put them in a blender or something to get the mulch, mm. that doesn't work. You have to sort of chop them up. There's a way of crush, crushing them so they're lumpy. And then you put them in the apple press and squeeze them down. And then the juice comes oh, out. Gosh. And then the wasps come and <laughs> spend hours. And you're going... <laughs> it was a fascinating education in my psychology about... I, which do I want more? Do I want to get away from the wasps or do I yeah. want the apple juice? Do I, yeah. oh. So I've, And, of course, you can freeze apple juice, so I've got loads and loads of it. It became a bit of an obsession. I eventually had to have it taken away from me, the apple press, because, <laughs> as I say, I was, I was moving on to things like furniture. And uh, <laughs> if I squeeze that, surely there'll be some juice. So I think it was the squeezing, the, the, the oh, sense yeah. of this press thing. It's really, it? I loved it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. And, the, and the, when you're churning up the apple mm. lumps so that they go down into the next bit down and go through this gauze and into the dripping yeah. tray you think you know how many apples mm. are and the tastes are so unique each each apple tree oh, yeah. and then if you blend them is, yeah, you know, is the bet. blend better or not I'm virtually a, virtually a sort of running a vineyard <laughs> <laughs> next up we wanted to ask you Hugh a quote from you I once got stopped on Oxford Street and was told how brilliant my Mr Darcy was last <laughs> night on telly True story? <laughs> Absolutely true. You know, Nick Hewer, who, uh, who oh, used yes. to uh, do Countdown and was uh, on The Apprentice, Apprentice yeah. I sat down next to him at a lunch the other day and he said, oh, and we'd met once before, he said, oh, it's so lovely to see you. And I said, and you? And he said, um, I thought you were so good in The Staircase. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's all my God. I feel like you'd do that, no offence, to someone. Yeah, oh no, all Have the time, you? all the time. Got in lifts and stuff and said to me, you know, chatted to them. You know, but people have done that to me. They go, oh, is my daughter at school with your daughter? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, not at school. I did it know. once in a car park, a part of my car, and I got out of my car and I was like, oh, hi, mate, how are you? And he went, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. And I was like, it's so weird seeing you here. Like, what are you up to? <laughs> no. And he was like, just shopping. And then I realised it was real Ferdinand. <laughs> and I don't know you. And then I was like, oh, no, sorry, you're real Ferdinand. What did your mum do? Uh, I, I first sort of brought it up a, a few years ago. Um, but basically, when I was a kid, she said, when I was, when I was about 10, she said, I'm going to go off and do an office job three days a week. So I, you know, burst into tears and said, you're selfish and how dare you? And, <laughs> you know, what about my tea? And, and, uh, and so she went off and did this office job in, in Lambeth in South London. And then cut to 10 years, 15 years later, after she'd retired and dad had retired, and I opened the evening paper and it, and it said... MI6 building to be sold and it was a picture of her office building oh. and so I, I rang up and said hang on but the Century House where you used to work is, is um, the Secret Service he said yes dear and, uh, <laughs> anyway darling yes exactly I'm just pruning the roses and um, <laughs> And so I said, you're a spy, that's so cool. And she said, no, I wasn't a spy. I just did some filing. I went, no, you're a spy. No. That's what and a spy um, would say. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She's never going to tell you. Yes, and that time not. you went to Portsmouth. Yeah, yeah what were you doing? <laughs> you left us for one night and went to Portsmouth, surely. So sort of coded to that story was I mentioned this on, on a radio show. And a few days later, someone from Riverhouse, the new MI6 building, got in touch. And he was on, obviously on the sort of uh, PR side of things. And he said, would you like to come in and do a chat, a lunchtime chat? Because we're, we're, we're trying to get people from the outside world to come in and, and just talk to us about normal things. <laughs> and um, and uh, so I went in and you know, had a sort of lunchtime chat. And it was quite surreal sitting there with 120 people mm. who work for MI6. And after it, one of the lads there, or about a bit younger than me, came up and said, I worked with your mum. And she'd passed away by now. And so, and obviously oh. I know nothing about the work she'd yeah. done. She obviously took... She would have signed the official Exactly. So, sure you know, she, to, she yeah. never said anything about it, not even yeah. to my dad. And uh, he said, I worked with your with your mum and we did some filing then he said well yeah it was filing but it was you know sensitive overnight in yeah. intercepts that are coming from here there and there and we had to make sure they were on the right order if upstairs suddenly said what's happening in Istanbul then we could go here yeah. you know he said I was only 18 when I joined and we were sitting there you know doing the crossword with, with my mates and suddenly you hear these footsteps along the corridor and it was quick there's Pat look you know look sharp we better get on with it the thing that struck me was about his memory of that sound, of yeah. her footsteps, and I suddenly remembered her footsteps when she was in mum mode, you know, when right, she was yeah. walking with a purpose, and those, that double-quick time. Yeah. It's strange how how different memories are evoked by different things. Mm. Sometimes it's a smell or a taste or whatever, that but that was a sound. It was. I found it really yeah. emotional. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very touched to have met this guy, and that was that was what my mum did. That. She did a bit, posh, a bit of posh filing. Yes. <laughs> and at, at the wake at her funeral, um, when um, the service said we're okay for it to be let it be known, so yeah. in the eulogy it was mentioned, and so all friends and family had no idea that she mm. yeah, that she'd worked in the service. And at the wake, my sister said there are four people from the service here, and two of them live in, in the village where mum and dad live. I said, you're kidding. She said, yeah, her over there and, and, and Derek over there. I said, what, Derek? The quietest man on the planet, you know. <laughs> went, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I suddenly remembered that they, I had memories of mum and Derek sitting in the corner of various sort of church hall committees oh, yeah. or parties, having a good old go. And I thought, oh, God, you know, she's getting bored to death here. In fact, they were having an office gossip, yes, you know, oh, that stuff. It was, it was strange how oh, it all came around. It was fascinating. Wow, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, Hugh, thank you so much for joining amazing. us. 
Mars on Dish. Well, thank you so well, much so for having me. It's been a real congratulations treat. Congratulations on your memoir. Yeah. Thank you. And um, people can go and get it now. I can go and listen to it now if you've got some time over Christmas. Yeah. Whack it's it a on. Fabulous Have book. a listen. Fabulous. Well, yeah. Thank you. Hugh, thank you so much. Hugh Bonneville, everybody. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. And thanks, everybody, for listening yeah. to our thank podcast you. all year. Have a wonderful Christmas. Let us know, by the way, if you make any of Angela's recipes. Yeah. Happy Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I love Hugh Bonneville. Yeah. I feel like my house is like 10 times more Christmassy now. I feel like I could sell this house on the basis that Hugh Bonneville's been here. Like Hugh Bonneville's been and three bedrooms. <laughs> like that's the main thing. Do you think? Hugh Bonneville, downstairs Lou. <laughs> you see, I love you, big fan, but we got even exciting, more exciting guests next oh week. Oh my God, Come next on. week. We have joined us next week, Alison Hammond, legend, and Dermot O'Leary. I feel like they're us, but on TV. Right? Yeah, us, but rich. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to recreate today's dish for your friends or family or maybe a stranger in the street head to waitrose.com forward slash dish recipes that is where you'll find all the meals we've ever made on the podcast follow dish wherever you get your podcast so you'll get it delivered to your device every week and if you enjoy it please leave us a great review if you don't listen to something else <laughs> We can't all have a Michelin star chef in the kitchen, but you can get some Michelin star advice. Email your questions for Angela, wherever they are, to dish at waitrose.co.uk. Waitrose. Food to feel good about.